Hello, this is the Atlanta Storytellers Podcast. My name is John Carr. There are so many great literary shows, poetry shows, and storytelling shows here in Atlanta. So many amazing artists producing incredible work that lives and sometimes dies at these performances. This podcast is designed to capture that work and share it with the rest of the world. And so, here are some of those stories. My name is Charles Parrott, and this is a story called Oh Baby Baby, How Was I Supposed to Know? It was performed originally at a show called Case Studies. It was clear that none of us knew anything. Not the young, quiet, tattooed welder. Not the nondescript guy. Not me, the college professor. Not the guy who vaped in the parking lot when we were on break. And, well, the guy who worked at the Weather Channel, he seemed to know a little bit because his wife, the nutritionist, was so obsessed with details that it was like some kind of a disorder. We had nothing in common, except we were all about to become fathers for the first time. We were all in the same birthing class, and we all imagined ourselves like, I don't know, Paul Rudd or Jason Bateman or some other appropriately white middle-class guy in a romantic comedy, and we all had questions, questions for Renee the doula, and Renee the doula was very patient with us. So, once the water has broken, how much time do we have to get to the hospital? Usually hours. You could probably watch all of Saving Private Ryan. But there is going to be like a big mess, right, when the water breaks? Like I'm going to need a bucket or a towel or something, right? Um, probably not. Now, when we get into the operating room, wait, <laughs> you probably won't be in an operating room. If everything goes to plan, your wife will give birth in a hospital room. It dawned on me everything we dads thought we knew about giving birth was based on movies. Apparently, it wasn't that dramatic in real life. Our wives and partners had real questions. How do you navigate your water birth? What hospitals have the best reputation? What exercises can you do to help you progress? One mom asked, what about emergency C-sections? And then Renee the doula said, hmm, people tell me about discussing whether or not to have an emergency C-section with their doctor. Well... <laughs> That's not an emergency C-section. An emergency C-section is when you roll out of your room on your bed and your husband is left standing there wondering what happened. <laughs> and that image stuck with me. It felt like a fitting metaphor for the whole process of giving birth. Dads wondering what the hell happened. I had never paid attention to any information about childbirth because for the first 30-some years of my life, I didn't plan to have children. But people change, and I changed. Then I met someone who wanted kids, and we fell in love. And she made it seem like a good idea. See, she was a licensed clinical social worker. She used to direct a Head Start program for moms and kids, and she had a graduate certificate in infant mental health, whatever that even means. She was like the kid whisperer. And even though I didn't know anything about having children, she seemed to know enough for both of us. Once... When we hadn't been dating very long, not long enough to have this conversation, she said to me, I had a dream last night that we had a baby, and she wore a floppy hat, and she swore, and she danced around like that baby on Allie McBeal, and her name was Hazel. Our friends took us out for spicy Szechuan, and by nine o'clock she was having contractions, and puking, and puking and puking all the way to the waiting room, and there was some poor schmuck who was sitting there waiting to visit someone, trying to pretend to watch TV and ignore the moaning pregnant lady who was barfing into a garbage can while we waited for them to find us a room. 
if you don't know, the Atlanta Medical Center is probably where they would take you if you were hanging around downtown and the drug deal that you were taking part in goes bad and someone shoots you. But it's also the place where our midwives worked. We wound up in a triage room, not a real hospital, and Mama seemed to transform. The human animal was revealed in front of me. This was not the miracle that Renee the doula described. All the puking meant you need fluids, and an IV meant you could easily have pain medication. The pain medication meant you wind up having an epidural. Fluctuating blood pressure means you have some magnesium sulfate. Magnesium sulfate slows down the contractions, which means pitocin to move the labor along. The pitocin might have side effects. Finally, after we'd been there a day, a new doctor arrived to take vitals and check in, and she was politely chatting with us until she started sounding concerned, and then there was a dramatic beeping, and the doctor began speaking to the nurses in another language, English words, but in hospitalese, and suddenly everyone started moving the furniture and turning the bed and pushing it out the door. An emergency C-section is when they roll you out of your room on your bed and your husband is left standing there wondering what happened. I grabbed her water bottle and my sweater because, I guess, I thought that would be somehow useful in surgery, and I ran along the side of the bed saying, everything is okay, everything's gonna be okay, even though I had no idea if it was going to be okay, and I ran along the side of the bed until we came to the double doors to the surgery suites where they told me I had to stay. You've probably heard people say that there are, um, no atheists in foxholes, well... There's a reason for that. People came rushing in and out of the double doors, deliberately avoiding eye contact with me. Finally, they told me I could come in. Everything was fine, but they weren't messing around and they were going in to get the baby. Mama was spread out like the crucifixion, bisected by a little curtain that kept us from seeing the surgery. Not that that was a problem for her, because she was stoned out of her mind. They asked me if I wanted to see the baby come out, so I peeked over the curtain. Big mistake. Huge mistake. I got her. And we did skin to skin. I learned about that in birth class. And everything was fine, except... uh, See, when they rush you into an emergency surgery, sometimes they forget to count the instruments before they start. So they were going to need a minute to uh, check a few things out. And I'm standing in a hallway outside the operating room, still wearing a surgical mask and that little hat they give you. And they bring me this baby. This perfect, tiny baby and then they just leave us there alone do they not know that I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with a baby but I look at her and I think for the first time in my life and this is true for the first time in my life I think to protect this being I would murder someone and live with the consequences. I rock Hazel in my arms and I say, Hi, I'm your dad. And I'm going to take care of you. In another operating room, a woman is cleaning and she has a radio hanging on her cleaning cart. 
and she is singing all the single ladies all the single ladies all the single ladies all the single ladies because if you liked it then you should have put a ring on it if you liked it, then you should put a ring on it oh 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 And I say, do you hear that? That's Beyonce. She's our leader. And I guess I knew what to do after all. Hi, uh, this is Ryan Jones. Uh, this is an original piece that I performed uh, at Wright Club Atlanta um, back in, I think it was probably January of 2018. Um, it doesn't have a title, but this is it. Prologue. Scene. Nappy-headed boy enters bathroom, hairline looking like Appalachian Mountains on the horizon, which is a pretentious metaphor for the fact that his mother took him to Walmart for his last haircut. And much like the rest of their inventory, the prices aren't that low because they care about their clientele. It is 2013. We can tell because the air is still breathable. World War III has not happened yet and the president isn't some misogynistic billionaire Disney villain that I refuse to mention by name. We noticed our nappy-headed protagonist, we'll name him Ryan, is in a rush. Seeing cuts to exterior of house, Ryan performs operation on his Jeep Liberty in his driveway, a steep hill that suddenly comes to a flat at the top when suddenly it begins to rain. Our protagonist, in need of a hair comb, decides to push his Jeep into the garage and puts the car in neutral, which is when he discovers that the top of the hill is not actually flat but indeed has a tiny slope. Fast cut to Ryan being dragged outside of the Jeep down a hilly driveway where it flies into his neighbor's driveway into their backyard before eventually crashing into a tree compressing one inch. There, in open grass, lays our protagonist, no comb and no help in sight. These are random antidotes that happen between the hands and the wheel when you are no longer in control. One, hold, index finger. They say when God made the human body, he took his time with the hands programmed them to do the simplest of things, like clasp each other in prayer, or cling on to him when you have nothing left, middle finger. It's funny how many people don't know the difference between an open palm and a clenched fist until one is literally the reason you aren't dead yet, ring finger. My mom says you have to think about hands the same way you think about relationships. Sometimes you have to know when to let go, regardless of how painful it may be. This is surprisingly sound advice. Pinky, things that are useful to hold on to. Keys, phone numbers, Pictures, videos, thumb, a Jeep Liberty that you no longer have control over is not on that list. Two, brace, index finger. They say when God made the human body, he took his time with the hands, programmed them to do the simplest of things, like brace yourself, whether it be for his arrival or yours. Middle finger, always laughed at phrases like brace yourself for the unexpected, because how can you brace yourself for something you didn't know was coming? Like if one of y'all can see into the future, hit me up because I know a way we can make a lot of money. Ring finger, flying down a hill outside of a Jeep Liberty only holding on by the literal edge of your seat is pretty unexpected. Pinky, the most popular definition of brace as a noun is as follows, a device that gives support, used here in a sentence. I tried to form a brace with my feet as my Jeep hopped my neighbor's curb and flew backward into their front yard. It didn't work. Thumb. The least popular definition of brace as a noun is as follows. A pair of things typically killed in an act of violence, used here in a sentence. Today, my hands are the only thing keeping my car and I from forming a brace. Two bodies in a constant dance around tree trunk, and lake, or under graveyard. Three. Catch. Index finger. They say when God made the human body, he took his time with the hands, planted them at the wrist like trees. 
each digit a branch, meant to catch passing things, like wind, sunlight, and the most human of bodies, middle finger. Have you ever thought about how we always catch the things we don't want? A cold, the flu, chlamydia. I take this to mean you have to be prepared for whatever life throws at you, ring finger, and again, how can you do that without living in fear of everything, without accepting the fact that death lives around every corner, would take you out in the safety of your own home if it could, or better yet, your own driveway. Pinky, they say that the tree in my neighbor's backyard caught my jeep and I thumb, and when I'm told this, I know that bark is a palm, each branch a digit, earth, a body that was not yet ready to swallow me like it does so many others, and for this, I am grateful, and for this, I thank God, and for this, I cry in my mother's arms when she arrives on the scene, when the officer tells me that they should be wheeling me away in an ambulance, that like my jeep, I should be a dead thing, a rusted metal corpse in a junkyard forgotten by a world who had not gotten to know me yet, but here I am, knowing that when God made the human body, he programmed it to do the simplest of things, like create miracles, like rectify any situation, like brace yourself, like clasp each other in prayer, and cling onto him, the edge of a jeep liberty, or your mother's waist, when you have nothing left. Uh, my name is John Good. I'm a writer of all things. I've written stage plays, TV commercials, and ransom notes. This poem um, is called Soul Aiken. It was written as a response uh, to Senator uh, Representative Todd Aiken's claim that a woman who has been legitimately raped cannot become pregnant from that rape. It is impossible, which was a, a statement that let us know uh, two things. One, that Todd Aiken does not understand the body very well, and two, that we must continue to fund education. Uh, so, Aiken. She walks into the police station, shaking. Her pantyhose and nose running, her mind racing, her innocence easy to behold, once golden, now taken, stolen. She walks in, holding her shirt down to where her skirt once lived. She's holding back anger, back pain, back tears. Others are pacing or impatiently waiting in line to complain to report petty crimes as they look. They doubt. They leer. They sneer. Finally, an officer comes out, comes over, comes near, leans in, comes closer and says, So what brings you here? And through clenched teeth, tears and mascara smears, bald fists, trembling lips, ripped clothes and a torn soul, she looks at him and says slowly, I... I have been raped. And he turns his head to an angle. He looks from her foot to her ankle to her thigh to her breast to her chest, mentally undressing and re-raping her with his eyes. As he begins to berate in her anger, he says, was it a stranger or were you on a date? What kind of shirt did you have on? Was your skirt short or long? Did you flirt play along? Did you tease lead him on? Were you on the make? Oh, oh, this is just due diligence. Make no mistakes, miss. I'm not saying you're at fault. I'm just trying to figure out if this was a legitimate rape. And in her mind begins the debate. What in truth constitutes legitimate rape? Is it housewives with fire and daggers in their eyes, faking it and taking it their entire married lives because that's what their moms did? Is it forgotten little kids that you'll never know, snatched from their homes, bus terminals, skid row, and sold as sex slaves in the home of the brave, Brazil, Negril, Russia, Mexico, or is it the plight of the Native American and Australian Aboriginal in a fight in a place they call home with no place to call home 
just the sight of blight and disease. Blankets filled with pox to rock their young to sleep. Memories of Pine Ridge, hawks bury me at wounded knee. Or is it preachers and priests that take liberties with the least of these? Snakes that slake their desires with the boy's choir, beware the mitre and the muscle tea. Or at least it must be. The suppression and, and oppression of Africa's voices, resources, identity. Could it be building a nation with forced slavery or what the French did to the Haitians in 1783? What the Germans did to the Jews? What financial institutions do daily to me and you? What Monsanto is doing to the world's food? What pharmaceutical companies are doing to the world's youth? Don't misconstrue or get it confused. Is this not in truth what legitimate rape constitutes? Well, maybe. But could it not also be a woman walking home alone, not conscious of what she's got on her back, thinking she has the right to wear what she likes without being attacked when she feels a knife to her throat and her skull being cracked? Is it rape if she said no, fought and cursed the act? Is it still rape if she said no but thought not to make it worse so she didn't fight back? Is it rape if she screamed in a way deemed to raise the alarm? Is it rape if she spoke softly in an effort to keep him off she spoke very calm. Is it rape if she said no and kicked trying to harm him? Is it rape if she said no, but since I can't stop you, please just wear a condom. Now she's looking at the officer with whom she's lodging her complaint. His eyes are darting, trying to figure out what it is and what it ain't. That's when she grabs his face in full attention, pulls him in close to ensure that he's listening and says, let me be frank. My rape does not become legitimate when you say so. My rape became legitimate when I said no. There are so many shows with pieces just like the ones you've heard being produced all over Atlanta. Take some time, go see a show, and experience one of these pieces live.